This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I am your host, Ben Kurkowski, and we have some news as the Packers have continued to fill out this roster. Earlier this week, the Packers signed interior defensive lineman Jerron Reed to their team, and Reed was an interior defensive lineman who has been a starter for years now. Um, and this kind of shores up kind of one of the last pieces of the puzzle for our starting defense. Reed overall, he's a solid interior defensive lineman who's played over 800 snaps to two seasons in a row, mostly has been used as a pass rusher. That's what he's most known for as his days back in 2018. He had 55, 55 pressures for the Seattle Seahawks in one of his best seasons as a pro. Currently, he kind of seems to fit in as a rotational guy with Dean Lowry, neither of which are special players, but also interior defensive line. This is probably not a very valuable position either. When it comes to value, a player gives a team by position group. There are four tiers of value, and in the last and least important tier, four is the running back position and interior defensive lineman. So technically, it's not really a position you want to invest in greatly. It's just another position you want to kind of get buy-in. And so here the Packers are doing just that, ensuring they have multiple guys who can come in and start if needed and not be awful. And that's probably a good strategy because really the only real difference maker on the interior defensive line in the entire NFL is Aaron Donald. Uh, we've, If you look at the breakdown, he's about three times more valuable than any other interior de- defensive lineman. And so on average, interior defensive line, not that important to your football team. And here the Packers are kind of filling in the gaps so that they don't have any great holes or needs, um, especially on their defensive line. And so they don't have to draft high for it, basically. And so, but if you look at Jaron Reed's stats over last season, over the last few seasons, he looks like a pretty average player. But there is some actual hope for Reed, though. To finish the 2021 season with the Chiefs from week 13 through the conference championship, Jaron Reed over those nine games was actually the 17th best interior defensive lineman in the NFL. This is huge. So if you can get the Jaron Reed who finished out last season as just the 17th best interior defense lineman on a cheap one year contract, which ended up being about one year, 3 million. Uh, that's, that's a really good deal. But if you even be more specific about the end of last season, if you look at the last five games of the season for Reed, he was actually the fifth best interior defense lineman in the NFL. When the end of the season came on, when the playoffs came on, he really turned it up and he played lights out. So right here, if we get that last nine games, but especially if we get the, those last five games type of Jerron Reed player, this is going to be a steal for the Packers 
if he's able to continue that late season play. A move I didn't even consider making as I kind of overlooked him considering his entire season performance rather than just how he finished. And so this could be a great signing. At the worst, he is a rotational guy on our defensive line with Dean Lowry, with TJ Slayton, and it kind of really gives us some real depth on our interior defensive line. So now, though, you may notice the Packers really don't have any holes left on their defensive roster. The Packers have their two starting edge rushers in Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. They have four interior defensive linemen they can rely on, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, TJ Slayton, Jaron Reed. They have Devondre Campbell at linebacker. They have their three starting cornerbacks, Jair, Stokes, Douglas. And they have their safety tandem in Savage and Amos. Our defense is set. We don't need to find any more starters. All we kind of need is depth. Now, because all we need is depth, there's a real chance that the Packers don't sign any more players to the defensive side of the football until after the draft, until they know, hey, what players they were able to grab, where was the best value in the draft, and now we can kind of fill in the gaps. And even on the offensive side of the football, every single position is pretty much set as well, except offensive tackle in which which in reality they could re-sign Dennis Kelly to be the guy until Elkin Jenkins gets healthy, which could be a very easy plan if they wanted to move that direction. Now, imagine the Packers make that move. They sign Dennis Kelly. The Packers only have one need left on this roster with $14 million to spend, and that's on the wide receiver position. Right now, the Packers have Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, two trusted friends of Rodgers, but if they play well next season, both of those guys, they kind of pay, play at some of their peak level based off where they're at in their career. They both still are probably just third and fourth types of options in an NFL offense. The Packers need to find not just more players, but guys who can have the capability of being true wide receiver one and wide receiver two types of players for the Packers this season. And thankfully, the Packers still have options. Uh, former Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling did just sign a contract, though. He signed a three-year, $30 million contract with incentives up to $36 million on Thursday. A little more than I would have spent on him. This is a guy who, yes, he's one of the best deep threats, but sadly has really never been more than that, except for a seven-game stretch at the end of the 2020 season. Other than that, though, his highest PFF grade ever has been 64.6 receiving grade, which isn't very good. Uh, he has injury concerns as well. That's not a move I would have made, and thankfully the Packers did not. Uh, but the longer we wait, the more time other teams will have to make a will have to make a move on one of the guys I'm going to talk about right now. And the Packers can't miss that opportunity to fill in the last gaps on their roster. And you might think, well, the Packers have four picks in the top 59. Two of them are first rounders. We can just draft rookie wide receivers and we'll be good to go. I, I agree with that strategy, but these guys we could draft probably, I'm excited about it. I think they're going to be oh, good players. They're going to be fine. I like them a lot. But in reality, rookies don't usually come into the NFL ready from day one to be impact players for your team. Think about Devontae Adams. His first two years, he was a solid number three option, but at times was a player figuring it out, and Packers fans actually wanted to cut him. He was playing so bad at times because he couldn't catch the football. So you can't rely on rookies, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be happy if the Packers put all of their chips on two to three rookie wide receivers making it happen for the Packers. Now, if I am the Packers GM, I'm still drafting two to three receivers with those top four picks 
because we filled on filled filled out all the other holes on this roster. But I'm also signing one to two veteran guys because you need depth at every position. Injuries happen. And most of the wide receivers available on the open market right now have dealt with injuries as of late. And we're going to need guys ready to play behind them. And we could realistically, uh, this is how much I like this wide receiver draft class. I would draft three of these guys, have them all develop well behind these veterans we sign. Uh, Some of them even could play key roles for the Packers this season. But in 2023, these three guys we draft could be the only receivers left on our depth chart at the same time becoming one of the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. That's how excited I am about these this upcoming draft and about the guys we might have the ability to go and get. So we need to grab one to two of these rookies, two to three of these rookies, one to two of these veteran guys, so that no matter what, we aren't reliant on our rookie wide receivers to be ready from day one to allow the Packers have the best chance at a Super Bowl for this upcoming season. I want to start with this. The Packers have to find a deep threat. In today's NFL, if you have a true deep threat, a guy who can win deep that forces NFL defense to, d- defenses to play a too high safety look. Okay, what that means is that then NFL defense defenses usually have five guys in the box. And what that does is it makes it much easier to run the football. It opens up the middle of opposing defenses. But if you don't have a real deep threat wide receiver on your offense, teams are going to play one high safety looks, making it harder to run the football. And if you do try to go deep down the field, you won't win very often because to win deep down the field, you have to have some breakaway speed uh, or guys who can win at the line of scrimmage incredibly well. And right now, the Packers have Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, and they definitely aren't the guys to go and do that. To me, there are only two true deep threat wide receivers who are capable wide receiver two type of players out on the market as well. And those two players are Will Fuller and Deontay Hardy. Fuller, we've talked about a lot already, but he's one of the best deep threats in the NFL. Coming off of injury, the Packers have been interested several times before, but now the Packers are missing both a deep threat and a quality top receiver, and Fuller checks off both of those boxes. Fuller in 2020, his last healthy season, had an 85 receiving grade, which was the ninth best of all receivers in 2020. He had the eighth most yards per reception that season. He then, after that season, signed just a one-year deal to Miami for just $10 million, but broke his finger, missed the season basically in 2021. So Fuller is a younger receiver. He's just 28. He's most likely willing to sign a one-year prove-it deal to try to get one big contract before he turns 30. And by coming to the Packers, Fuller would be, for sure, the Packers' number one option, right now at least. If he could stay healthy, he would prove his usefulness to us, the rest of the NFL. He would have a very productive year in Green Bay, a lot of targets, able to go his way, that's for sure. And then he would be able to have a huge cash in next offseason, probably to get the biggest contract on the free agent market even, if he plays his cards right. This is the best place for him to be knowing his injury history and the depth chart he would be walking into in Green Bay. I have to assume Fuller would be willing to sign a similar one-year $10 million deal, even probably less than that, maybe even two-year $18 million deal, but there's options for the Packers with Will Fuller. And because he missed all of last season to injury, he honestly can't demand any more than that $10 million a year. If he is healthy, plays like he did in 2020, he actually would deserve probably more like $22 million a year. And so this is a easy avenue for the Packers to save a lot of money, 
sign a great player and add a huge amount of value for what we'd be paying Will Fuller to have him on our football team. The only other receiver on the free agent market that is a deep threat wide receiver is Deontay Hardy of the New Orleans Saints. His former name was Deontay Harris, which is why you probably don't recognize it. But Deontay is just 24 years old. Why no team has signed him yet, though, is because he is actually a restricted free agent. Similar to Alan Lazard, a former undrafted free agent, received uh, he received the second round restricted free agent tender meaning that any team that tries to sign Deontay the Saints can match that deal given but if they don't Deontay has to sign the given deal and the Saints are awarded the team's second round pick which for the Packers would be pick 59 now is a second round pick and a contract worth it for Deontay Hardy that's tough it really is I'm not about trading away assets especially like a second round pick but let me tell you about Deontay He's a former undrafted free agent because of his size at just five foot six, who has not had much opportunity. But when he has, he's been a really good wide receiver. In 2021, he was the sixth best receiver in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. It was only on 57 targets, but what he did with those was incredible. He had the ninth most yards per reception, seventh most yards after catch, fifth most yards per reception in 2021, only behind. Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Devonta Adams, and Antonio Brown. He's small for sure, five foot six, but he's not just a slot player. He actually played more than sixty percent of his snaps out wide last season. He's improved each year, and there's a reason the Saints tendered him with a second round pick because they know he's going to keep getting better and be even more dangerous in 2022. Now, obviously, you don't know for sure. But if he played the same way he did last season on a higher workload, he would easily be worth giving up a second round pick for. So the Packers actually have some power here. The Packers have a way they could do this. They could make a long-term offer for Deontay Hardy, like a three-year, $21 million deal. This would force the Saints' hands because the Saints, as you know, are in cap hell every single year. They're struggling for money. Now, you would be requiring them to commit to Deontay for the long-term, but their long-term future is in flux because every year they have to restructure so many contracts just to field a competitive football team. There's a real chance the Saints could decline to offer him the same contract. He could come to Green Bay on a cheap $7 million a year deal, and he could add that deep threat wide receiver you want at a very reasonable cost-controlled contract over the next three years. He's still very young. He does way more than win deep, as you saw. He's a phenomenal route runner. He can win after the catch as well. He can be used as a gadget player. And the final thing I didn't mention about Deontay, he was an all-pro special teamer his first year in the NFL as well. He would be our full-time punt and kick returner, which would be a great addition to our special teams unit. This is a move to consider. I know we would be giving up our pick 59, but he has a real chance at a higher workload to be a top receiver in the NFL. Not to mention, I believe all of my favorite receivers will be drafted before pick 59, so there may not even be a guy worth drafting there at that point anyways. So, if the Packers are still going to have a dangerous and efficient offense, it starts with having explosive plays. To have explosive plays, you need deep threat wide receivers. You can get that from either Will Fuller or Deontay Hardy, who can also be wide receiver two types of players for you. The Packers need one of these guys to fill that position on our depth chart. Hopefully, they can go out and make a move. Now, the other player we need on our depth chart is a true wide receiver one. This is not easy to find usually, but right now, there are actually four guys who have all 
all have potential to be wide receiver one types of players. They aren't deep there at wide receivers though. And so that's why to me, they're on this separate list to me. And one of those guys, the Packers need to bring in as well. I really think it would be very beneficial to this team to get one from the deep threat group and one from this wide receiver one group. And probably I would just sign probably whatever one would be willing to sign the cheapest one year deal that you could trust if you had negotiations with him and you could trust that he would be on the field the whole year and you'll understand why in a second. The first guy I want to mention is Jarvis Landry. Landry was the number one wide receiver for the Browns for years, was recently just cut after a down season for Cleveland. He had an 81.8 receiving grade in 2020, easily a number one wide receiver, but his play went a little downhill in 2021. But with all the turmoil in Cleveland, it kind of made sense. I like Lander. I think he's a solid option for the Packers to bring in on a one-year deal. He could take over as the go-to wide receiver one in this offense, but he's definitely not dominant by any means. He doesn't really have anything special to him. He's an option, not my favorite one, but a guy you could go to if the cost makes sense. The second player I would consider is Julio Jones. So Julio's play has declined over the last few years, it, it and it's true, it has, but Julio Jones, if healthy, could have one final year of solid play that could be special with Aaron Rodgers. Julio missed most of last season due to injury, or at least was dealing with injuries that hampered his ability to be productive on the field for Tennessee. But even injured, he was still a solid wide receiver too for the Titans. I think Julio Jones, if he can get healthy, stay healthy, he can have another top 20 receiver type of season in the NFL. And if he could do that, he could be a steal. Not to mention, Julio Jones does have a connection to the Packers, uh, especially to Matt LaFleur. In 2015-2016, Julio Jones was named an All-Pro, and you know who the QB coach was during that time? That was Matt LaFleur, when he was the QB's coach in Atlanta. LaFleur knows what Jones is capable of when healthy. Julio has been dealing with injuries the last two seasons that have really hurt his overall performance on the field. The Titans actually cut him so they would save about $9.5 million. I have to imagine, knowing that the Packers would be able to sign Julio to a deal similar to that, around that number, about two years, $18 million, probably especially if it were guaranteed. I like Julio. He's 33 years old, but if healthy, he's still a freak of a player. I bet he could do some very special things with Aaron Rodgers at QB, and it would be fun to see that combination together. I know Julio Jones currently reports are that he is holding out because he wants a bigger contract. And so it'll be interesting to see where he gets valued at by the rest of the NFL. But again, if the price is right, if you think this guy is going to be healthy, get healthy, stay healthy, um, then this is the guy to go to. Now, the next two guys I mentioned, the last two guys on this wide receiver one type of list is probably guys you don't sign until this summer because of certain situations. The first is Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ, who obviously we all know way too well, dominated to start his career in New York, got traded to the Browns, things didn't work out, gets traded to the Rams, has a resurgence to end the year last season. Basically, without him, the Rams would not have gotten to the Super Bowl or even won it without his first half performance in the Super Bowl. But now is recovering from an ACL surgery that happened uh, in that Super Bowl game. It's unsure when he will be ready to return and what price that will come at because of his lackluster few years before that, and now this huge knee surgery on top of that. But if you take into account just his four playoff games to end the 2021 season, Odell played at an extremely high level. He had an 84.7 receiving grade. Very impressive. This is a move, 
though I wouldn't consider even until late in the summer, early fall. But it is a move I wanted to mention because if the Packers decide, hey, we're going to run into the draft and then we'll see where we're at as a football team after we go through the draft and we get these rookies in the building, say we draft two or three guys and we got three rookies, Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and Brian Goodkins, Matt LaFleur are kind of looking at this roster and like, crap, like I like these guys who drafted, but they are not ready to step up as a wide receiver one. And now we're, we need that guy. We need a dude out there and we still don't have it. Hey, let's go see if OBJ, when he's going to be ready to return and see how he's recovering. Cause if he can recover well, he could be that guy and we can sign him probably for another one year cheap deal. So that's something to consider. The last guy I will mention in a very unique player uh, is Antonio Brown, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We all remember this last season, how Antonio Brown's season ended late in the year against the Jets. Tampa Bay was losing and Antonio Brown had an argument uh, on the side of the field with coaches, uh, coaches claiming he was faking an injury, get back in the game. What are you doing? And Antonio Brown responded by running off the field, ripping off his Jersey and because Brown was insulted and he left the team, it was later confirmed that Brown actually did have a serious ankle injury enough to have ankle surgery a few weeks later. Actually, he's still recovering. Uh, now Brown obviously has had his problems other than that, lots of them. And I'm not going to list them all here. He is a huge risk and it's unlikely he can make it through a whole season without something happening or at least we haven't seen it as of late, whether it was the Raiders, the Patriots, or in Tampa Bay. Now, Brown, although he has some questionable moves over the years or decisions, he's about to turn 34 years old as well. But his play on the field speaks for itself. In 2020, in 11 games with Tampa Bay, he was the 15th best receiver in the NFL, with most of these snaps actually coming from out wide, which is huge because the Packers like Randall Cobb in the slot. And so we need a guy out wide. Okay. And in 2021 though, Antonio Brown was even better. He was the sixth best receiver in the NFL over seven games with almost 80% of his snaps coming from the outside. Antonio Brown went on the field is one of the best in the NFL still at 34 years old. It's insane. And I know this guy has issues, but if you are looking at value Brown of all the options I listed has the highest potential return on, on investment because he won't cost you draft capital like Deontay Harris would. And he can win out wide as a go-to wide receiver one. And last year, he signed for a whopping one-year $1.67 million contract, which is nothing. That's so cheap. It's ridiculous. And Antonio Brown seems like a player that would live off the vengeance, the revenge that he could do by coming to Green Bay and being able to play against Tampa Bay. Okay, Tampa Bay gave up on him. They called him out. They insulted him. And there would be nothing better to Antonio Brown probably to be able to come into the NFL, have a great season, play Tampa Bay, beat Tampa Bay, beat him again in the playoffs, go to the Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. And if you're looking at the NFC, at least, where he would get opportunity and where he would have a really good shot of winning Super Bowl would be in Green Bay. And for the Packers, I am totally fine with him living out his revenge story in Green Bay if that means we get to sign him on a cheap deal and he is an amazing wide receiver once again this season. So if I'm the Packers, 
out of all those options, those are all the options we have. Obviously, they're going to take into consideration all those things we talked about, money, value, age, history, health history, where this guy is at right now. They have better information than I have when it comes to their health. But if I'm the Packers, knowing what I know, what I would do is I would sign Will Fuller. He would be my deep threat wide receiver. And then I would sign Antonio Brown and draft two to three wide receivers with my first four picks. Okay. The Packers are set in almost every single position. We've talked about this. Okay. Now, because of that, we should go out and fill out this wide receiver depth chart because the receivers we draft this season will be the receivers that we rely on next season. The Packers have always done this when they know, Hey, next year we're going to have all these empty slots. We need to do something about it. They almost always have drafted guys. This last year, they did not do that with our receiver depth chart. And now we're in a sort of a pickle. But if I'm the Packers, I would grab two veteran guys to pair with Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, and then we'd have two or three rookies behind him all ready to step up next year to be our wide receiver one, two, and three. And all those other guys are probably off the team at that point. Except maybe in this situation, we would sign Will Fuller, maybe a two-year contract. We'd sign Antonio Brown to a one-year contract, and we'd draft those two to three receivers. Aaron Rodgers would have the deep threat, and number two wide receiver in Will Fuller. We would have the true number one wide receiver in Antonio Brown. The Packers would still have cap space as well, and two legit wide receivers to develop over the first two rounds in the NFL draft probably. Then the Packers with that extra money, like we talked about, could sign offense tackle Dennis Kelly, and we'd fill every single hole, not just on our offense, but our entire roster. Then the Packers could use even more extra money to go sign uh, a third edge rusher in Melvin Ingram. They could sign a backup linebacker like Alexander Johnson in case something happens to Devondre Campbell. The Packers have to take a risk to not only save money, but to have the highest potential of making it to a Super Bowl. And Antonio Brown might be that risk worth taking okay he's not been able to be treated like a number one receiver since he left Pittsburgh and so because of that maybe an incentive-based contract playing in Green Bay would give him the spark he needs to prove it one final time before he stops playing for good and he would get to do it in the NFC he'll get to show it to the Tampa Bay Bucks who treated him poorly last season and probably again in the playoffs and prove everybody wrong there are options out there to fix the wide receiver position for the Packers but the Packers might not have those options for long and more of these options will be signed in the upcoming weeks. Hopefully the Packers don't miss out. So that's all we have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers. Now, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks guys.